She comes home and she's like, where's my serving thing? And I said, she said, someone probably threw it away. And I said, no. I said, it was over there with the desserts. I said, somebody's taking it home. It'll show up. I was right. For once. Rare instance of that. So um, another funny thing is that Jill saw this coffee cup. This tells you how she still doesn't know me. So she said, I can't believe you would pick out that coffee cup. That does not look like you at all. Now, why would I pick out this coffee cup? Anybody have any idea? Should we say that? I guess. The handle is wide enough? It's the biggest one. It was the biggest I could find. That was, that was, that was my only logic. So I was going by volume. Jill mistakenly thought I would care what it looked like. So today we're going to talk about Mark 10, verses 17 through 31. Um, this is, um, this is a, a, normally when I read a verse like this, I try to read it and then I try to see if there's something kind of new and unique that can jump out of it that I've not caught before. Um, or I listen to, they have a little podcast that goes along with the lectionary, I'll listen to that and sometimes they will kind of enlighten me and point out something I've never thought about before. Um, that didn't happen this week. Um, so this week we're going to, I would not expect most of you to walk away having learned anything new, um, but I do hope that this will just be a good week for us to um, to, to rethink something, to, to re, re, uh, re-study a story that we've learned and maybe realize that um, there's something uh, valuable that we could apply to our lives. So the, the story is uh, this rich man that comes and talks to Jesus and he is a pretty good guy. He's, you know, he's not killing people. He's not stealing things. No, he's he's an honest guy. All this type of stuff. And he's kind of challenging Jesus with these questions about, you know, what's it take to get eternal life? So he's kind of hung up on eternal life. Um, that seems to be something pretty important to him, with good reason. And he's wanting to know what's it going to take for him to get there. And Jesus can kind of see through it. He says, "Hey, you're a you're a wealthy dude." Um, that's that's your that's your El Guapo in life. Um, that is your issue, and um, and so he said, "How about you go sell everything, um, and then you're good to go." And the guy is uh, pretty troubled and walks away, not knowing what to do because he realizes that that's not something he's interested in doing. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a little bit of a different prayer. So I'm praying with my eyes open because I've got some notes. Um, but I want to pray that God will help us to really li- listen today to this. I've got a few questions um, that I want to pose in the prayer. So um, so this is a little bit of an odd prayer. This is a little bit of a prayer to God and also a little bit of a chance for, uh, for me to just kind of talk out loud some questions. Um, and then we will jump straight into the text. So let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. It's it's beautiful weather outside, um, and uh, but it's a good reminder of me of just how beautiful it is to be with your family. The music this morning, I, I don't know why, but the music this morning, um, uh, it was just really hitting me, and I think it, it was 
less about the music and just more about uh, being here with your family. I appreciate that so much. Um, God, this morning, as we listen to this story about this rich man and his interaction with Jesus, um, we ask that you'll help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to look at this story and see uh, what aspects of our life kind of line up with this. Ask ourselves some just simple questions. Are we Christians? Are we truly Christians? When we worship Christ, do we literally worship Christ? God, help us to to know the difference between showing up on Sunday morning to worship and actually having a life of worship. God, I'm asking myself, am I all in, in it for Jesus? Help us to think deeply on that today. And God, help us to to just be really transparent as we think through what it means to worship you, to worship Jesus, to be sold out for you. Help us to look at our lives and see if the lives we're living actually resemble what we think we should be doing and whether or not there ought to be a change that we should make. Help us to see past our issues, past our challenges, see you clearly and walk towards you. Help us to have the faith that that type of a walk will be the best walk and one that we'll never regret. So Christ be bread. Amen. All right. Let's jump into, sorry, I've been jumping around this morning. Where's my, there we are. And Jill and I were in Micah 3, so now I've got to find that, sorry. I was ready at one point. Mark. 10, Here we go. All right. So you can see here, uh, this is NIV. In fact, I'm going to flip that. I was in NCV earlier, so just keep things clean. All right. So NCV says, it's a rich man's question. So in verse 17, we've got... Um, Jesus starting to leave, it says as Jesus started to leave this situation, I didn't even read back to see where he was at, so sorry about that. Um, A man ran to him and fell on his knees before Jesus. The man asked, good teacher, what must I do to have life forever? Now, I want to stop right there. This this whole little text and that last line, life forever, you guys, some of you that know me well know that that, that is my upbringing. My upbringing is the only reason that I would go to church on Sunday morning was to ensure that I had eternal life. And in fact, if I'm being really honest, the only reason I came to church on Sunday morning was to ensure I did not have eternal life in hell. That was all that really mattered mm-hmm. to me. I was missing the point a little bit. Um, I don't know if this guy's struggling with that or not, um, but he's definitely missing the point that life with God can be here and now. That's God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Uh, It's not this thing that has to happen after we die, potentially. It is something that should be happening today, starting now. Okay, but regardless, that's the question he asked of Jesus. Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Um, Kind of funny little side note there, just kind of pointing that out. Um, I think that's maybe as much for us to learn from as anything. Uh, to to drive home the point that people maybe were struggling recognizing whether he was God or not, but that this guy likely did know that. Um, He said, you know the commands. You must not murder anyone. You must not be guilty of adultery. You must not steal. You must not tell lies. 
about your neighbor, you must not cheat. Honor your father and mother. The man said, Teacher, I have obeyed all these things since I was a boy. Jesus, looking at the man, loved him. I think it's funny that Jesus didn't just say something that, that the writer wrote in here. He didn't just look at him, but he looked at him and he loved him. And he said, there is one more thing you need to do. Go and sell everything you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He was very sad to hear Jesus say this, and he left sorrowfully because he was rich. Then Jesus looked at his followers and said, How hard it will be for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Um, and, and I want to tell you that this, this verse is one that's so interesting because it's one of the most, um, I would say almost like juggled versions, verses in the Bible, because almost everyone sees themselves as rich. Not everyone, but... This group of people we're meeting with today, there's varying levels of wealth in our community here, but most of us would recognize that on a global standard, we're quite wealthy people at all of the United States is, and that's been that way for many, many years. And so the North American church has always been like, what do you do with this? Like, I'm talking to all these rich people. So there's been lots of juggling over the years. Okay. So verse 24, the followers were amazed at what Jesus said. By the way, most of them probably saw themselves as somewhat rich too. Um, interesting enough. Um, but followers were amazed at what Jesus said, but he said again, My children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And for many years, you would often hear, and I heard this uh, many times, and I thought it was real, that what they're really talking about is the eye of the needle is this gate in Jerusalem, and it's a very narrow gate, and for camels to get through it, the camel had to do to death, to death, to death, to death, to death. Um, people have gone off and checked that all out, and it's like, no, there's no validity to that story whatsoever. It does appear as though that was a story that somebody made up to try to kind of ease the burden that people were feeling from this. They're trying, it's not really saying it's impossible. It's just saying it would be very hard. You know, that was the kind of gist of it. Because if you say a rich person, if it's impossible for a rich person to go to, uh, to get eternal life, then that would be a very dark saying. Um, and part of the reason we know that that's not true and that Jesus was very much meaning for this to mean impossibility is because he basically says it here. The followers were even more surprised and said to each other, well, then who can be saved? So obviously they were interpreting this as being impossible. Jesus looked at them and said, for people, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Peter said to Jesus, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. All those who have left houses, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or farms for me and for the good news will get more than they left. Here in this world, they will have a hundred times more. Oh, here in this world, they will have a hundred times more homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And with those things, they will also suffer for their belief. But in this age, they will have life forevermore. Many who are first now will be last in the future, and many who are last now will be first in the future. Um, and I, and I just want us to focus on that verse 31 for just a second. You know, th this is this just reoccurring uh, message that we get from Christ that the last will be first, the first will be last. 
If you focus on yourself, you'll end up coming in last place. If you focus on others, you'll end up coming in first place. We just keep hearing this story over and over and over. Um, and I think if you can talk to older Christians, I recommend you do this any chance you get, and ask them about looking back on their life. They will be able to give you story after story after story where this is proven true. You see it in the workplace, you see it in families, you see it everywhere. And in fact, for me, um, I feel like, you know, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough, I've seen it enough that almost every time I see someone having um, what I would call kind of an obvious struggle in their life, some major issue, you start digging a little bit and you will find that either them or the person they're dealing with, one or the other of them, um, is struggling very, very much with being uh, focused on themselves rather than focused on others. Um, and that that, uh, that brings about usually the, the deepest of pain. Okay. Um, something that goes through my mind often um, is something I would call um, a turning point. Um, it's this point, in this case what I'm meaning is, it's this point in your life when something happens that is pivotal for you. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up, because I think the rich man in this situation, he likely lived the rest of his life having never forgotten that interaction with Jesus. Now, we don't know what the guy did, um, but it would be a potential turning point. It, it probably was a pivotal point for him. At a minimum, it caused him to at least challenge his thinking uh, in a big way, because talking to Jesus, he was feeling like he was doing pretty well, and then he realized that actually there was this gaping issue. issue. Um, I've had a few points in my life when I've been able to talk with people um, that have made a big mistake or had a big challenge in their life. And um, the, uh, uh, the thing they'll all, almost always say is they remember that point. They, you know, I've, I've had situations where I've known of this with um, uh, where people have cheated on a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like that. And, uh, but they did something dishonestly and did something that's not acceptable in our culture. And you ask them and they'll tell you, they remember the day, the point, they, it, it was there. It was time to either go this way or go this way, take the high road or the low road, and they remember making the bad decision and it's haunting them ever after. Uh, sometimes you call this a crossroads, sometimes it's a defining moment, some sort of critical threshold, some sort of line in the sand. Um, rather than getting into stories that I've experienced myself or whatever, I wanna back it back off and talk about something, uh, Bobby was just talking to me about a, this a second ago, um, but I wanted to talk about uh, something that we're all thinking about in these last few weeks and just thinking about how we respond to it, the coronavirus. So um, in case you don't know, uh, this is a uh, virus um, as far as we can tell, started in Wuhan, China. Um, it's possible it was out and about um, before we knew about it um, because there are a few places where people are getting this, where they're now finding people have this because they're testing so many different places. Um, but for the most part, it started in Wuhan, China. Cummins, by the way, has a facility there if you don't know that. So I've visited there many times. In fact, the really funny part is um, it, uh, they think it started in the markets where the live animals were, and that's where I, I always try to seek out that kind of stuff when I go travel. I want to go where like the locals shop, 
Um, so <laughs> it could very well have been the very market that I visited uh, the last time I was there where this started, I don't know. Um, but anyways, the questions that I want us to, uh, to really think about here is, when do you act? Has anybody heard anything about the coronavirus and politics? Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little bit of something, right? Now here's the problem, as I see it, is if we're talking about this idea like, when do you start doing something? For example, I read in the paper that there's a local Columbus co- coalition, I think they called it or something. Anybody here on that, by the way? Okay. Anyways, that they're, they're already making plans for what happens if we have someone inside Columbus that picks up this virus. You know, how trying to get a plan together for how the city would respond and what they would do. So when to act. Now, there would be some of you probably in this room that would just roll your eyes and go, what in the world are they doing? Why are they doing this? There might be others of you in this room that would be like, why did we not do this three weeks ago? You know, you have this thing. It's an opinion. We, the, the data around this is very difficult. The number of people that are sick by this virus is a very small percentage worldwide, but it's a very, very scary virus. So right now, the stats are showing it, um, people are about 7% of people are dying. They think it's probably closer to like 2%, um, 2 or 3%. But nonetheless, um, if, if you don't die from it, it's actually not that much worse than any other illness. But, um, but when it uh, gets you down and starts uh, really affecting your re- respiratory system, it can be a big issue. What about what to do? How do we react? Do we have a coalition here locally? Do we, does the government get involved? Do they send money? Does the government not get involved? You know, you've heard uh, Republicans accusing Democrats of X, Y, and Z from this, and Democrats accusing Republicans of X, Y, and Z of this, and it just so happens to be we're in election year, so that makes it even more interesting. Um, this when to act and what to do question, I think, um, it, it makes this issue combative. It can make, how do we follow Jesus? What's rich, if we're talking the rich man? How do we define where the rich man is? These kinds of questions, these are opinions that there's not really a right answer. And yet, sometimes we will draw the line and try to turn it into a right or wrong discussion. Um, But there's this one. Why to act? Why to act? And that's a completely different thing to think about. Did one of you say something? What did you say? Why to act? Oh, why to act? Yes, and um, <laughs> you pronunciate it so much better than I do. So I think I said I say why to act? Why to act? I said why to act, but it doesn't sound like why to act. That, that just kind of made my day, by the way. Um. But this idea of getting away from the wins and the watts and allowing us to disagree with those things, but recognizing this why function, like why to act, that, that's a whole different deal. Because if the reason a politician is taking action is only because of their political views, that we've got a big problem, honestly. We, we've got a big problem. And yet... If, I, if you guys were all, if, if I just asked the question, I bet almost every one of you, if you said, why do you think the politicians are talking about this? Do you think it's because they care about people dying or do they care about the re-election? 
there'd be some of you that would say, I think they care more about the re-election, uh, unfortunately. Um, and that's the kind of stuff we've got to fight. I, uh, I was thinking about, some of you have heard me talk about uh, some issues where my dad got upset at me recently and all that. And it's funny how when you act and what you do, like in reference to something like the coronavirus, people will just put all kinds of labels on us because of what we think or believe or whatever. Um, one person I was talking to about this, you know, just made a comment. They hadn't even researched it at all, but they just saw this thing pop up in the news and their news feed, and they were like, oh my goodness, the news is blowing this thing completely out of proportion. And that was kind of their perspective of it. And so their thinking was, I think the news is only reporting on this just to get people to read about it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if we get away from that and think about the why to act, uh, because we, we, care, care, we care very, very deeply about um, people's lives, and we want to make sure that people are not getting sick and dying from this. Um, if we can start from that point and then work together back up through the other two, it can make a massive difference, and that this can be applied to all parts of our life. Um, I, uh, I, I guess I feel like I almost always have to go back to this. This is uh, Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Um, if we ask ourselves almost anything in life, so let's just say with coronavirus, um, why, why, do we, why do we react? Why do we do something? And then we start there at verse 37 with uh, Jesus' words saying, the most important thing you can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this takes us all the way back to our text at the very end of it, where it's saying the last will be first and the first will be last. I'm paraphrasing there. Um, but it's this idea of continually, in everything we do in our life, suppressing getting what we want and starting to focus on helping others. Um, I will tell you that in Wuhan, China, it was so scary what was happening over there that I think the government in this case actually probably got it right. This is just my opinion, you could disagree with me, but the government was like, we're gonna lose a whole city here if we're not careful. Um, and so if you haven't heard of this, we have, uh, you know, I have friends over there who've lived in their homes, you know, for weeks now um, because they, they shut it down. I mean, they made it law, you can't leave your home um, to try to keep this thing from spreading. And um, it does appear as though they're making some progress. Uh, with that, at least in that region. Now we've got other parts of the world, particularly South Korea, where it's spreading rapidly right now, so they're trying to figure out what to do there. Um, but all these things, if we can keep that focus of the number one thing is God, the number two thing is loving your neighbor, um, it makes things a lot easier. So, um, for today, now, this is for you guys to actually speak up if you want. What does sold out for Christ look like? What does that look like for you? you don't, this doesn't have to be a confessional that there's some issue in your own life. You have to share that. You don't, don't feel like you need to do that. But what do you think it really looks like being sold out for Christ? What do you think? Put, put each of us or your, the, your peers around you or people in Columbus, Indiana, they're there with Jesus talking about this. The bottom line is most people in Columbus, Indiana would pass all that list of things. They're good people in general. Um, 
And, uh, and then they said, what else do I need to do? Um, and and my, my interpretation of that is, Jesus says, you're not sold out for me yet. Your money's, your wealth, it's more important than me. You're not sold out for Christ. So what does being sold out for Christ really look like? Or maybe another way to say it is, what are some things that, as a community, we could be thinking about doing it takes us from, let me step back here just so we don't get confused a little bit here. Takes it, take us from getting all hung up with the wins and the whats. And how do we get to these whys? You know, what, what are what are the um, I can't say this, but what is the fundamental issue that maybe some of us are missing or our community is missing that is keeping us from then working our way back to the wins and wants? That makes sense. That's a little confusing. Though. Anybody have any thoughts? I think it's easier for me to say what it doesn't look like. Okay. And, and what I have noticed on since we're talking politics, what I've noticed on both the right and the left is how they have taken their own personal political views and made them line up with scripture as opposed to having scripture line up and changing their political views. Okay, would you say that again? It's, 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 I've, I've noticed people, and it's, it's usually like really diehards, right? They're really ultra- one way or the other. People that are sold out? They're, they're sold out to their politics. Ah, there we but, go. But they All make right. their politics line up. They, they try to make their politics line up with what Jesus says, or if it doesn't line up, then it's like the whole eye of the needle thing. It's, it's not really what he meant. It's, you know, it, it, a lot of it is like, like my one buddy. I got a couple of them, actually. It's, and well, it'd be like, I've seen one of my friends who actually, I was just telling Amy last night, he got off Facebook, I think, because of me. Because he would post scripture, right? It'd be like, you know, love your enemy, you know, not, I mean, love your neighbor as yourself and all that. And I would write, does that include illegal immigrants? Why are you making it political? <laughs> how, how is this a political statement? Facebook, right? But 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 that's the whole thing is that they'll they'll say well that doesn't apply because they're breaking the law and the Bible says to follow the law and they have this whole twisted thing that yeah. you can do and to me that does not look like you're sold out for Christ that makes it look like you're trying to work Christ into what you're actually sold out for. Sure. Yeah. I actually agree with her. It's probably the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> but a good example is. Um, politicians, like if, they, if I think it's great to be concerned about the coronavirus, but then are they concerned about it because they want to be reelected or because they don't want people to die? And so I think ultimately the way that we treat each other, we, we all have a hard time liking people at some point in our lives. But I think being sold out for Christ is putting your own crap aside and seeing them for people regardless if they're immigrants or if they are going to vote for Trump. Like, it doesn't matter. They're still people. And ultimately, I think that we are just a lot more alike than we realize. Oh, no. No, I want you to say again. <laughs> if you'd restate again, sold out for Christ, what you said it meant. Don't... 
Something about crap. I remember that. Oh, you have to put your own crap. We all, we all, we're all going to come across somebody in our life that we don't get along with or that we don't want to get along with. And we just have to put our own crap to the side. Yes. And I think that's what's sold that's out. That's sold out for crap. Thank you. Oh, very good. Thanks to both of you. Okay, anybody else? Yeah, okay, we're okay. What does sold out for Christ look like? And again, it doesn't have to be you personally. Mm, hard question. I think one thing that's hard about this is because you could say being sold out for Christ is not doing what you want to do, but doing what God wants you to do. And that's a lot easier to say than to actually do something, to, to really try to discern, is this something that I want to do, or is this something that God wants me to do? And if, if it aligns with the Bible, it's not a bad thing to do, right? But if there's something that's like uh, not... If it's not directly religious or helping people, but like you're praying on direction on something and, it, and there's just nothing obvious. The hard part, I think, is of being sold out for Christ is um, discerning between what you want to do and what God wants to do. And because those, those might align. And I don't know, it's just hard sometimes. Yeah. <coughs> I thought I saw a hand raise over there, but I think you were just moving. So. It was like a half, like, I don't know if that would have been something. But... Oh, it was a hand raise. It was. Yeah. <laughs> then you tried to hide it. It was a half, and I was like, you caught me, so I, I guess I have to. <laughs> I don't think you can go back now. Um, I don't know. It's nothing extravagant, but one thing that pops into my mind to be sold out for Christ is the things that break Christ's heart to break mine. Oh. my heart to break for the things that would break Christ's heart. And I think it's interesting in life, and you see this in the workplace all the time whenever, um, you know, so I work at Cummins, and so, and I work in the engine part of Cummins. Some people think that's all Cummins does, but they do lots of stuff. But, um, but I do work in the engine side of it. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we can all agree very easily on what we're after, which is to make an engine that's cost effective and it doesn't break and, you know, and it makes customers happy and those types of things. But you can find within that how certain people will have a, a little thing they want. Like they believe in something. They believe in to, to, to such a degree that they're not even interested in hearing anyone else's thoughts on the topic. Like they want it done a certain way, and for some reason, it's just because it's what they want. And so, for me, I find at work that my respect for people go higher and higher when I realize there's something they're passionate about. But in a meeting, I hear them say, "You know, let's push that to the side for a second and let's see all these other options and really work through those." You know, for me, that helps me to realize that they're getting to that selflessness. They're they're able to kind of step past that deep passion they have to win or to have things their own way. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do in all aspects of life. And then I think in terms of following Christ, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest ones, one of the most difficult. Well, pushing your agenda is not a good phrase, is it? 
Um, it's not positive. Yeah. Pushing your agenda. It, it, as long as you can do it, no one knows about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I do that all the time. <laughs> 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 hey, at least he opens his yeah. and then free weekend. So, um, I'm gonna wrap things up here. Um, I'm sorry. Personally, would that be kind of like Jesus Christ Superstar group? What about Jesus Christ Superstar? I don't know anything about Jesus Christ Superstar, by the way. So. It's a group. It's a group. Uh, is it a music group? Uh, is that what you're saying? Music group? Yeah. yeah. In the early 70s. Mm -hmm. it, my brother, my sister, was right there with it. Oh. Jesus Christ Superstar. It's going all over everywhere it is. Oh, okay. Great. That's fine. So, I want us to end by looking at this picture of the cross. We've got our own cross over here. We've got communion this morning. We're going to take in just a second. Um, but I want to challenge you a little bit. Now, I don't want you to take this too far um, because you could completely mess this up. But traditionally, <laughs> well, you could. Let me tell you more. Traditionally, we would say, we might say things like, Jesus was hung on a cross um, to, uh, to give us forgiveness of our sins so that we don't have to do the same. Um, or he was the sacrifice for us so that we don't have to have that kind of sacrifice. He was the sacrifice of sacrifices. And so we, we kind of like break ourselves apart from this. But I personally, and, and you're, you're getting my opinion, I personally think the, the cross is much, much more complex than this. Um, and there's an aspect of the cross that stands out to me, and I think about it a lot. When we think about how... Um, from a selflessness perspective, Jesus allowed people to kill him. He stood up for what was right. He didn't do anything wrong. There was no reason that people should have put him to death. And yet, he knew for the broader cause that was going on that this was an important thing to happen. It's, it feels like it's one of the most selfless things you can do. We do see other people do that, particularly you, you hear about this in battles where people will go in and put their life on the line uh, for someone else too. So it's not that this is completely unheard of, but his has a, a level of, uh, it's different than most others because there was no other person involved. And in fact, the very people that were supposed to be helping him uh, kind of walked away to some degree. They, they were watching it. They maybe weren't happy about it. Or, in fact, they certainly weren't happy about it. Um, but they also, you know, you take Peter, for example. He, he couldn't even get, muster up the courage to say, I'm one of his followers when he was challenged by it. Um, and so we've got Jesus here hanging in the middle. Um, what about others? What about us? I think, as I, what you say? Oh, um, it's not a thing we normally think about, about us being willing to be crucified. Um, but I do believe that it will help us 
to recognize how much grace we have to show to people around us and how much love we have to show to people around us that we would be willing to be used to that level if needed to show them how much we love them. And I think it's really, really hard. Um, so it, it's not that, I don't know how to say it, so I want to be careful with this because I don't want to in any way um, belittle what Jesus did or, or to, to mix this message too much. The, the, this whole cross thing is very, very complex. The only message I just want us to be thinking about is a complete focus on God and a complete um, focus on being selfless was the life Jesus led and he ended up on a cross. And so if we're asking ourselves, what does being completely sold out for Christ mean? It might mean we would literally be willing to go to this level for him if needed. Oh, come to me at the end, and we'll talk about that. Okay, yeah, thanks. Any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've actually been thinking about this lately, like how Jesus died on the cross, you know, for our sins, so we don't have to, but I, I feel like, at least within myself personally, like there's certain things within me, like not that I'm going to go on a cross and die, obviously, but there's certain things within me that I feel like I have to that have to die or have to kill off in order to become, like, show glory to God, you know, like, anger or selfishness or my aggressiveness yep. or um, some of my thoughts and things like that. And, yeah, I've just been thinking about that, especially the yeah, past and year. For, for you, like, those things, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think those things could be kind of similar to the rich man's money? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I That's think so. I think, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's, I kind of see it as a similar concept. It's like you're like literally killing those parts of myself because right. I don't want them anymore, you know? So I've, I've just been thinking about that yeah. lately, how that's kind of related. Were you getting ready to say something, Julie? Okay. Um, an analogy I've heard is one of the simplest things. On the playground, you're hanging on to your monkey bars or your, your ladder, and you go to the next one, you grab it. Well, what do you have to do to move forward? You have to let go on the one behind you in order to move forward to the thing that you're looking at. You know, so I just always think that's a, a good symbol. And, I mean, your hanging on supports everything about you. So there's the sold out for. I just think it makes a good image, a good symbol. Yeah. So I think the last thing I want to say before we take our communion is that the good news at least one aspect of the good news is that even if we aren't willing to be sold out for Christ to the level that we would hang on the cross, and, and truthfully, if we're all being honest with ourselves, probably almost none of us that really are willing to do that. Uh, we'd like to think we're willing to do that, but I mean, Peter was pretty doggone awesome, and he couldn't even say he was a follower of Christ uh, in that situation. So push comes to shove, it'd be hard for us. The good news is, Jesus hanging on the cross is bigger than that challenge we have. And so it's not something we need to be worried about. Uh, Jesus more than adequately has covered that weakness in our life. Um, it doesn't mean we don't want to strive to be better, um, but it, uh, it does mean that we would not have to go to that degree to continue to be a part of his family. Um, 
but we maybe should at least consider whether or not we would be willing to do that. With that said, let me pray, and then I'll go break bread, and then we can say, oh, I'm sorry, Daniel, I didn't let you speak. What would you want to say? Oh, well, what I was thinking is, uh, seeing how Jesus hung on the cross for us, is that he he won, he took everybody, you can come tell me later if you want. Yeah. That'd be fine. All right. <coughs> Let's pray. God, we uh, we appreciate this story that was recorded of Jesus talking to this rich man. Uh, we appreciate having a chance to study it today. And uh, God, if it's uh, not money for us, but it's some other challenge, it's selfishness, it's greed, it's anger, some sort of hatred. Uh, there's something we want in life um, that we're not getting, something like that. Um, God, help us to recognize that that may not be uh, the direction you want us to be spending our time focused on. Help us to be able to let those things go and help us to, uh, to be able to be completely sold out for you, sold out for Christ. And as we take this communion today, we just want to celebrate and say thank you that even though we struggle so hard to be sold out that we, we know you've got us covered and that uh, you, we, we understand that we can be part of your family even with our, our issues and our challenges and that you'll help us to fix those things and help us to be able to see your kingdom here and now and have the, uh, uh, the comfort and the, uh, um, and the excitement of knowing that it's there forever. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Oh,